funny boy. Hey, girly. Well, hey, girly. Welcome hey, girly. to Shaken and Disturbed, everyone. I am Daddy Cat Darren Carp coming to you live from Los Angeles, California. <laughs> we're not live uh, because it's Sunday. By the time you all are listening to this, we'll be back in New York. And John being the sexy Miami Ooh. mommy bear that she is in her tank top today and her buzz cut looking hot. It's John Thrasher, oh my, everyone. Oh my God. I wish everybody would intro me in this way. Like, even if I don't have any of those characteristics. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. Um, we're actually yeah. both traveling right now. Uh, I know. We actually did like a last minute trip. You guys can hear yeah. all about it on our NMR this week if you haven't already, because we know that this is just for the case. So obviously, you know, you guys need to care about our lives, but uh, that's do. why we do NMR. So that way you can hear all the real gory shit that happens on the podcast on NMR. And this is like the light episode. This is like where no more happens <laughs> on Sundays. You know, it's the NMRs right. are more shaking and disturbing, I think, than the actual case. Sometimes, sometimes they can be. Absolutely. Our lives are very shook and disturbing disturbed that's the past Just, tense they yeah. love being disturbed we are they love being disturbed we are definitely disturbed are you drinking in my i am i feel like you're like a pina colada type of guy right now uh, did you just uh, see that i was drinking that and that's why no. you said that no i'm guessing <gasps> i'm literally drinking a pina colada right now and do i took I a sip my, do i know my wife or do i know my wife you know your know wife my, you're a good i know my wife you're a good husband I am in Miami. This is so cool too, because like, you know, I would say if we were in an office or in a studio, we would probably, well, we would remote in, but you know, it would be a whole thing. I just feel like it's so fun in a way to be able to go anywhere on the earth and still podcast, you know? So just shout out to Zoom for that, number one. Also, I just want to say, I mean, maybe we'll post a picture of, uh, of this on our like Patreon. Everything is very clean, white, linen, your background, your t-shirt, my background, my t-shirt, my white uh, pina colada. I mean, it's a yeah. very sterile podcast it's today. It's very sterile, unlike our mm -hmm. lives. Um, unlike yeah, lives. exactly. Well, I am, uh, <clears throat> since I'm in LA and I'm recording yeah. a little bit earlier because I'm three hours earlier, I literally oh, right. just finished like, I was back to backs and I took a run <clears throat> and it is not humid here, but just so, so hot. And so yeah. oh, I God. can't drink, I have to abstain right now. So I am literally going to my roots, my old like high school soccer roots. Oh, and I'm drinking jungle juice out oh, of a okay. Nalgene bottle. My I was going to say, <laughs> very nice. We should also, stuff. we should also address the microphone situation. So Darren has been, has been very flexible with me this week, but by the way, yes, sexually, this is the last, he means, he means sexually, sexually means flexible, sexually. sexually flexible. Aren't we all? Um, and I, you know, I was, I made a last minute trip to Miami. My, some of my best friends are down here. A former coworker, shout out to Megan. I got to co uh, catch up with her. She That's is right. one. She was uh, formerly the co-host of the Daily Dish podcast at Bravo. That's right. Great person. Again, Love to listen catch to our NMR people if you want to. Yeah, all exactly. Yeah, we're not going to give you everything here. Of course not. Um, and of course, you know, I was minutes away from recording. I, I, I brought my microphone. I didn't want to take a week off after we had just taken two he weeks off. Muscles. I brought my muscles. muscles. I have my microphone, I have my stand and I have my cord. But I feel like so many people who have recently purchased Mac computers yeah, and still too. have older technology 
are using USB-C now on the, on the Macs, but I forgot my adapter because the cord I'm using is USB-A. Anyway, this is nerd talk, but Darren was very patient with me as I realized I don't have what I need. So today's microphone audio might sound a little bit different, but it's just for this week and we'll be back like normal next week. Yeah. The only reason I feel vindicated about this is because you're always the tech guy. Like I feel like I have like, I know. Question, <laughs> iPhone thing. Like you always know how to convert yeah. things. Like I am so so dumb when it comes to that stuff. And you no, always you're not. Answer. So this is the first time where I just want to say, guys, I'm now IT. Yeah, I you're my now, IT person. I have now surpassed John Thrasher <laughs> as being genius. By the and way, we're not going to move vindicated. forward. We're not going to move forward with you talking about yourself like that. You are not a stupid person. You're actually good with technology. Let me put it this way. You've come a long way with I technology. Have a, I have come a long way. I even I remember for Nadine and she was like, you've now become IT. And I was like, yeah. thank you. Thank I remember you. like you were setting up Andy's like phone or something years and years wow. ago and you needed a little help. It was understandable. Next thing I know, you're setting up baby cams. You're yep. setting up, you know, everything in his house, basically. So satellites, like it, it's satellites, it's satellite crazy. radio, radio Andy, tune in. Well, just know that when we're going through this case today, even though the sound might be slightly off, we appreciate you guys. Yeah, if thank there you. There is something that weird. Um, John and I are both in very hot weather, sweating our balls off. It's, so let me say something. Be before. I'm glad you're saying it's hot in LA, but not humid. I have never been to Miami in July. I have, I have never felt you, something bro. like this. Yeah, I have never, I have never felt heat like this. Like, you know, the basketball team's called the Miami heat. It's because of, it's a thing. It's not just yeah. because it's hot. I mean, I walk outside for literally two minutes and I'm just drenched, but guess what guys? I love it. It feels That's good. Awesome. My skin looks dewy. What more can I ask for? Dewey anyway. And and don't eat Jewy because I'm Jewish. So maybe Dewey, Dewey and don't Jew Dewey and Jewy. Uh, All that right. is our new uh, cartoon name. But let's get into this week's case. Yes, now. let's get into it. Yes. On Christmas Eve of 1985, a man named Chuck Cleveland, that's Cleveland with a K, left his job and began driving to his local barber to get a pre-Christmas haircut on his way home. As one does. Johnny just got a new I was just gonna say weeks ago. Let me tell you something quickly about my haircut, though. I used to get my haircut every four weeks, which seems like a long time, but for men, it's really not. I just got this cut like a week ago, and I already kind of need it trimmed up and shaped up again. It's definitely it's a whole like thing. not as high. In, like, it grows fast. Like It grows very fast. It's not a lot of maintenance, but I'm going to have to get it cut more often. Anyway, yeah. just because we, we kicked off with a haircut thing, I had to mention that. Keep going, Derek. Well, as he drove on a small dirt road through his hometown of Chester, Nebraska, he noticed a flash of blue in a ditch by the side of the road. Chuck thought something looked a little odd about the blue object and got out of his truck to take a closer look. I'm sure it's just because, like, it does seem a little bit weird to see any color on, like, a fucking dirt oh, road for sure. kind of thing. Yeah. So Chuck recalled, quote, I thought someone was playing a terrible joke. It looked like a mannequin from a store or a big baby doll lying in the weeds. I looked a little closer, then it hit me. This oh, was a no. child, end quote. Chuck called the police. When investigators arrived at the site, they found that there was indeed the body of a young boy dressed in blue pajamas thrown in the ditch. This is super sad. Ugh. The detectives on the site did not notice any signs of trauma on the boy's body, although they did see some marks on his neck. Initially, they suspected that the marks came from strangulation. However, they were later determined to have been caused by the cold. The temperature was only nine degrees that day. Oh, my God. Um. So that definitely can happen. The medical mm -hmm. examiner who conducted the autopsy was unable to find any cause of death for the boy and was only able to speculate that he may have passed away from Ray's syndrome, R-E-Y-E. -E. 
Uh, Ray syndrome is kind of this rare disease found in children, which causes blood sugar levels to drop while ammonia and acidity levels in the blood to rise. And this can cause swelling in the brain, seizures, loss of consciousness, and loss of consciousness, and unfortunately death. Ray mm. syndrome can sometimes be caused by giving aspirin to children. Obviously, this oh. is a very rare thing. Just keep that in mind. It's not like yeah. I don't want any parents out there to be like WebMD and giving your kid fucking Advil here. But you know, it's just something good to know. And I would imagine that it's probably caused by a lot of aspirin use, maybe as a form of poison, uh, as opposed to being like if you're hurt or injured giving aspirin. Right. However, the police weren't so sure and suspected that there was more to the boy's death. The police department insisted that the autopsy be reviewed by several doctors and forensic pathologists, but none of them were able to determine a cause of death, which seems a little surprising. You think that one might have insinuated something, even if they couldn't have proved it conclusively. Yeah, Detective, for sure. Detectives still had strong suspicions that the boy had been murdered because, quote, obviously he didn't walk to the ditch where he was found. Sure. That's presumably correct. Although officials searched, they were unable to uncover any additional information about the boy, not even his name or anyone who knew anything about him. This is oh, my fucking so nightmare. Tragic. Yeah. No children matching his description turned up missing nationwide, and nobody came forward claiming to know him. The boy was nicknamed Little Boy Blue because of his blue pajamas. And, you know, immediately I'm thinking <clears throat> if the description, if there were descriptions of him and his parents were looking for him, then obviously you would think that would match up, right? So my initial thought is, oh, the parents have something to do with this. Because if they're not looking well, or claiming yeah, a child- he's nine years old. I mean, that seems yeah. a little, either something happened in some sort of foster care situation, there was yeah. abuse, oh, that's something, true. did something, but yeah, some type of guardianship I'm thinking about here. Yeah, for sure. Well, as time went on, Chester, Nebraska residents came forward with uh, to help the boy. They donated a cemetery plot and a headstone, paid for his funeral, flowers, and bought him a suit to be buried in. I mean, at least they're willing, you know, it's like interesting because it's like they don't know who this kid is, but they wanted to give him at least enough dignity to be buried with, you know, a nice suit on, if anything. Yeah, Over and I hope that sometimes like in a weird way, tragedies can bring both sides oh, that's, together. Like that's what I think what everyone's happened. kind of going yeah. through now, like no matter what you think, like yeah. I don't think I, I think people on both sides of the line don't want death and they don't like I think most people are not for that and and just want like people to be happy and live happy, their lives. Yeah. Even like the means are the same. I think the yeah uh the oh, sorry the ends are the same but the means are not the same. Yeah. But just it's nice to see in a town like this, someone kind of coming together for a bigger issue. Absolutely. And you know what? I'm sorry to, to mean to interrupt you there, but coming from a small town myself, I've seen a lot of this, you know, like there's something, there's a camaraderie with small towns that like big cities you just don't get. And I lived in a big city, obviously for eight years, the biggest city. And it's definitely a real thing. So it's nice to see that Chester, Nebraska did this. If anyone's listening from Chester, Nebraska, let us know. Yeah, let us know. Over 500 people from the town of Chester attended his funeral at the local Methodist church. Although nobody knew him, the pastor delivered a sermon about the importance of protecting children, which is about as much as you can ask for this situation. The town decided to name the boy Matthew, meaning gift from God, and engraved his headstone with the words, little boy, abandoned, found near Chester, Nebraska, December 24th, 1985. Beneath the engraving was a blank space where his real name could be added if it were ever found. I mean, listen, all things considered, this is incredible that 
you know, a random boy got this kind of, you know, funeral and, and headstone and the community. I don't know. It's just nice. It's very odd that like, I don't know, a nine-year-old boy, like how's no one kind of claiming this or knowing this? It seems a little. Yeah. I right. Know. I know what you're saying, but also I, you know what I'm thinking? Like, remember how the golden state killer would like attend the meetings about the golden state killer no I'm like, i know i'm just what if this like, guy how is no one coming fucking forward about no this that's kid? what i mean like, yeah how is this possible that right you know? well the odd case received a lot of media attention as you might expect and was written about in newspapers and magazines for years in december of 1987 a story was written about the boy in a reader's digest magazine shortly afterwards authorities received a letter from a couple who lived in wyoming the couple oh. suspected yeah, the couple suspected the boy might be their friend's nine-year-old son, Danny Stutzman Jr., whom they had cared for se for several months in 1985. Investigators were able to obtain Danny's fingerprints, and they were a positive match to that boy. Um, now that Danny had a known identity, he went from, you know, Matthew, or from no name to Matthew, and now he's uh, Danny, police were able to start looking into his parents, Darren, as I said, Eli and Ida Stutzman. I also just pause for a second. Yeah. I think it's interesting in since the seven and 87, essentially, that they kind of came forward with this. So fast forward 35 years later, approximately, like, it's interesting the impact that Reader's Digest had as opposed right. to being on the news or being in the New York Times, like Reader's right. Digest kind of encouraged of all things, as right? To, right, as opposed to this other thing. So it's just interesting. Yeah, well, they learned that Eli and Ida were actually Amish. So in July of 1977, 26-year-old Ida died in a barn fire at her farm in Dalton, Wyoming. Dang, Eli crazy. found... Yeah, Eli found her body in the barn, pulled her out, and attempted to revive her. However, she arrived at nearby Dunlap Memorial Hospital, and she was pronounced dead on arrival, DOA. Ida was eight months pregnant at the oh. time. Just before her death, Eli had changed over their joint bank account to be only in his name. Now, Darren, well, where have we seen this before? Darren, Again, this could easily be circumstantial. It I really could. Just assume, like, yeah. You know, this is obviously a running theme, but to be <clears throat> fair, this doesn't really prove anything. It's just no. sussy. It's just sussy. It's, it's sussy and it will add to other contributing yes. circumstances. Factors. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. So when investigators later spoke to members of their small Amish community, they found that a lot of the community viewed Ida's death as suspicious or sussy, as we say here on the yeah. show. And some believed it had been orchestrated by this man. And there was specifically a lot of doubt as to why she had gone into the burning building where she had perished to begin with, right? Because it's like, how exactly, especially if it's a barn, like, I don't know that barns just simply explode or blow up, but you wouldn't imagine there's electricity, especially in an Amish community. Like, how did something like this start, you know? Sure, sure. However, at the time, the close-knit community did not share their concerns with outsider police officers, so investigators had to rely on basically the paperwork that was available to them. They found themselves confused about why Ida's death certificate listed her cause of death as, quote, heart stopped when she had clearly died in a fire. I guess for me, like, I don't know, because like, in theory, like, yes, yeah, she perished in a fire. And I think that that's kind of obvious due to the burns, but is it possible that her heart had stopped prior Before. to this due to yeah. shock, due to something? I'm just trying to like answer all these questions because it yeah. feels almost 
it just feels almost too bizarre. Well, police eventually learn that after Ida's death, Eli abandoned the Amish community with his son. Eli left his home for one clear reason. He was gay, which was unacceptable to the Amish. Police believe that Eli may have murdered Ida because he wanted to have relationships with men. And shortly after her death, Uh. police started placing classified ads seeking male companions in The Advocate. Now, The Advocate is actually still around today. Uh, it's actually a really yeah. good magazine. I don't know if you read it, John, but it's uh, it, it's definitely good. No, uh, I don't so- read. No. Oh, I know you don't read. You you audiobook. <laughs> now, let me the- tell you something. I want to say yeah. something about this. I was flying from DC to Miami the other day, and I was like, should I get a book to read on the plane? Like, I'm in full vacation mode, quite frankly, and I'm like, should I get a book to read? And then I thought, if I don't, Darren's gonna say something. And then I started thinking like. She was just saying how I never read. Like she literally is dragging me for not reading as much as I, mean, I should. Yeah. And so I did, what happened? So so I didn't buy one. Yeah. Like, keep, okay. Keep going. Okay. So yeah. I shamed you into being illiterate. Okay. That's- you shamed me. I decided to. I thought about what you said, and then I decided against it again. Yeah. Just like you sound just like my girlfriend. Just, it's so weird. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> right. Exactly. Now, authorities stated that, quote, there was no way out, no divorce. The Amish kept trying to help him with his mental problems as they saw it, mental problems meaning because he's gay. And Eli knew he'd never right. be rid of their good intentions as long as he was tied to Ida. And mm. police also believe this was the most likely reason Eli may have murdered his son, stating Danny was a, mo- a millstone around mm-hmm. his neck. Danny didn't fit into his lifestyle. It's probably mm. hard to be a little bit more promiscuous and explore your sexuality with a child that you have to care for, especially coming out of the Amish community. Sure. However, police also found it interesting that Eli had left shortly after he was questioned about the shooting of a man named Glenn Pritchett. Oh, uh, okay. Now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Eli and Glenn were roommates after Ida's roommates after mm. Ida's death. Glenn had worked for Eli's remodeling company. And in May of 1985, Glenn's body had been found in a ditch in Travis, oh, wow. Texas. He had suffered, suffered a single gunshot wound to the head. Eli was named a person of interest in the murder charge and was questioned several times. However, he continually told authorities he had not seen Glenn for the two months prior to his death and believed his friend had moved back to Montana to be with his family. A little weird you wouldn't know that officially, but okay. Especially if you were once roommates, quote yeah. unquote. Yeah. Right, like he's not around for two months and you just don't seem to know where You're he is. You're like, where'd he go? Spoken about that. After several rounds of questioning, yeah. Eli took Danny, his son, of course, and left town. Eli's whereabouts were unknown from the time he left Wyoming in May through Christmas of 1985, at which time Eli arrived to stay with family in Ohio. And, and again, Danny died. Danny was yep. found at least Christmas Eve of 1985. That's right. So kind of we're now in the, we're now there. Yeah. And I want to say too, you know, just a reminder, we do this from time to time, like not knowing where someone is now for several months is probably even weird, but back then it probably wasn't that weird or in the sense that like you couldn't track them across like social media or find my friends or their cell phone the way you can now. So although their whereabouts were unknown, it, it could have just been that they were simply doing something normal, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So basically Danny dies Eli gets home to his family in Ohio. And at the time, he told his relative that Danny was just kind of away on a skiing trip. However, he told his family and friends in Wyoming that Danny was in school in Ohio. Interesting. It's interesting because he's telling some of his relatives, I guess probably the ones he's not seeing, that he's out on a ski trip. And then when he actually gets to his family in Ohio, he's just saying, Danny was in school, all good. Maybe they're not questioning him at all. 
That's true. Well, in July of 1986, Eli wrote to his in-laws telling them Danny had died in a car accident in Utah. Mm. All right. So what we know now about Danny and what he's telling that, you know, his in-laws about him are very different things. Um, Very different things. So we, I think we know where this is going. But anyway, while the police were learning all about Eli, they were unable to locate him until December of 1987, when they received a tip that he was living in a trailer in Azle, Texas. Mm. Authorities were able to locate Eli, subsequently arresting him on charges of felony child abuse in connection with Danny's death. Okay, Eli was extradited back to Nebraska. Police recalled that there, that he was, quote, a very meek mouse. The first thing he asked for when we got him in jail was Grecian formula to keep his hair nice. He was a weird dude, end quote. Listen, well, Johnny, as someone, yeah, as, someone gonna, as a gay man, as a gay, as a homosexual, we know you need your hairspray at certain holes. We know. We know you're not okay unless you got that Grecian life. We well, know. I just I just found, well, speaking of Grecian life, you're a girlfriend, but let me just say, my hair, before I buzz it all off, you do have to keep your hair looking a certain way. You know, you can't just let it go crazy. So, Eli, I get it. Yeah, Eli, John would ask for Grecian formula. <laughs> I think I would. I think I would. I honest to God think I would. Either way, um, Eli did not confess to the murder of his son. No cause of death had ever been determined. And with no evidence, authorities were unable to even charge him for any wrongdoing, although they heavily suspected him in this particular case. In January, yeah. So then January of 1988, Eli pled guilty to two misdemeanor charges, concealing a death and unlawful disposal of a human body. At this time, Eli gave his own version of what happened to Danny. Eli recounted that Danny had been suffering from an upper respiratory infection. He had tried to wake his son one night to give him medication, but found him dead. Now, I'm no doctor. You're no doctor, Darren. We're not experts here. But I'm wondering, like, is that something that could actually happen where, like, you have a respiratory infection that turns into, what, pneumonia and then you die? Yes, absolutely. That can happen. Uh, We've actually seen that a lot with like some COVID patients, but uh, I think it's to me, even though it's a possibility, the fact that he already told nine other people in his family about nine different things, like stories, right? He's already getting himself into kind of a pickle. Right. Well, he says that he prayed over Danny's body for a few hours before leaving it in the ditch by the side of the road and covering it with snow. I I just, I just can't comprehend this. Yeah. And we hear about this often, like all these family members, like I think about Chris Watts and like what he did to his family and like where he left them and things like that. I just, I'll never understand it, right? Because I'm not a cold-blooded killer, but it's just so inhumane and just, I'm just like, what goes through a human mind? Like a parent, like that to me is like almost a different level. Anytime you're going to kill anybody that's not in self-defense to me is just like horrendous, but there's something about a parent to a child, a mother. Right. You know, I always talk about Andrea Yates. Like, yeah, it is so scary to me. It's very sinister for sure. Well, Eli claimed that he failed to report Danny's death because he worried his family would blame him. Prosecutors asked Eli why he hadn't sought medical attention for his son when he found him unresponsive. Eli answered, quote, that's what I keep asking myself today. I wish now I would have, end quote. Now, keep in mind, though, well, okay, maybe I should save this for the for later in the episode, but it's like this is this could very well have happened. Like, let's be clear. Like, 
you know, especially given that they didn't have a cause of death for this kid, like there's no vi visible injury, there's no bullet wound, there's no stab wound. But that being said, Eli has been surrounded by a lot of death for an average person in his life. His quote unquote roommate, his then wife well, in the yeah, barn. Even if all of this is correct, I still think you should get negligence because you're not calling for medical safety. Well, like when your son's unresponsive, you're your thing is to pray over him for two hours and then bury him in and the then snow. leave him I'm in the sorry, snow. Like, uh, yeah. fuck that. Like you, that's such a good point. It's just like negligence of something like child endangerment of something. Even if the kid was dead, like the fact that you don't fucking call, is just so sick to me. Anyway, the defense, I agree with you. The defense team read letters from forensic pathologists who stated that there was no evidence supporting the fact that Danny's death had been caused by a homicide. And in fact, supported the idea that the death was in fact due to natural causes. But as Darren just pointed out, that doesn't mean negligence wasn't a huge factor in this because right, he could have gone to a hospital Correct. Given it anybody. I mean, I know yeah. he didn't have a cell phone, but he could have gone somewhere. He could have done sure. something. He could have gone to a oh, neighbor yeah. or something. Yeah. The lead attorney on the defense later stated his surprise that Eli was under such strong suspicion for Danny's death when there was literally no evidence to back up the theory. Well, okay. Well, the judge sentenced Eli to 18 months in prison. After serving his sentence, Eli was extradited to Texas, where he was charged with the murder of Glenn Pritchett, his roommate. Now, when authorities in Texas learned that Eli had been located and imprisoned, they reopened Glenn's murder case and were able to gather enough evidence for an arrest warrant. So again, some of us are thinking like, I think it's easy to kind of take a bird's eye view and being like 18 months. But again, you need to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. For sure, you do. Point, it is possible that this all happened. I mean, yes, we can say that you're a bad father and you have negligence, but like in the court of law, that yeah. you have to be able to prove it. And one of the investigators yeah. later stated, Eli was definitely a person of interest at the time of the murder. Obviously when he fled, that threw even more suspicion on him. We just didn't have enough to hold him at the time, end quote. And mm. Eli was tried for Glenn's murder. And on July 31st, 1989, he was found guilty and was wow. sentenced to 40 years in prison. Eli served 12 of those years, throughout which time he wrote letters to family, all of which included scripture. Of course, you got to include scripture. <laughs> right. Because God's perfect. Obviously. God will help you through this. Of course. Yeah. God's not killing children, raping uh, women. No, uh, no, no, no. That doesn't exist uh, in this world. Yeah, not his, in this world. His family occasionally visited him and visited him in the hopes he would confess to either Danny's or Glenn's murder. Eli's cousin Daniel later told media, it was always the hope he might confess. We didn't want to lose... Uh, like consistency because writing him and letting him know you loved him and keeping in touch was the only hope kind of having. So they wanted right. to just keep that, keep the line of communication open because once he's yeah. going to say doubt, there's going to be no trust there and it's going to be shattered. Right. And let's fast forward now, March of 2002, Eli was paroled under mandatory supervision and moved to Fort Worth, Texas, where he lived in a one bedroom apartment, sold handmade leather goods and used crack cocaine. According to his neighbors, he made no attempt to hide his rampant drug use. And Eli told his neighbors that he'd been imprisoned for drug use, but occasionally admitted his real charge had been murder, but he was innocent and wrongfully convicted. It's interesting. interesting because like, I don't know, like if I heard one of my neighbors say like they were in prison for drug use, you know how I feel about drug use is like, yeah. you don't think you should be in prison for nonviolent drug offenses. And then mm -hmm. two, being so advocate, advocate for the innocent 
I might say like, holy shit, you went to prison and you were wrongfully in pr-. like that. Yeah. I might have sympathy for this man. Just, just hearing yeah. that statement. You just know, hearing his story. Yeah. Just me. And he told some neighbors that he'd never been married and others that he had left his wife, children, and Amish community behind because he was gay. He needs to get his story straight for lack of a better Yeah. Term. Like here, what is uh, it? Yeah. He's, this is a little <laughs> nuts. Uh, Eli even told a handful of neighbors a heartwarming story of his reconciliation with his son, who he was finally able to accept his sexuality and forgive him for leaving the family, even though what? his son was dead and his son was nine when he died. Eli fell into more rampant drug use, frequently hiring sex workers to come to his apartment. As he did so, he also fell further and further behind on rent and continually bounced rent checks. I mean, we do see this with a lot of drug addicts. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of paranoia that's going to set in. So it makes sense a little bit that maybe he's telling completely different stories. It also makes sense that he's like talking about reconciling with his son, even though that doesn't exist. I mean, if it's rampant drug use, especially with crack cocaine, this is not unlikely behavior with this. Yeah, and especially if he's hiring sex workers, like, I mean, are they men? Are they women? Like, does this further prove... You know, because one of the things that I'm thinking, <clears throat> excuse me, throughout Pride Month, especially, and after we did the Marsha P. Johnson case, actually, you know, there is so much mental illness and a domino effect of mental illness that comes out of hiding sexuality in some cultures and lifestyles, even in America, like, especially in America, actually, for yeah. a lot of the time. So I, I always wonder, like, will we ever see a place where, you know, like we're we're starting to get to a place where as a society, we're understanding that when women kill their murderers or abusers, it's out of self-defense, you know, and I'm not saying that that's something that, you know, I don't think unless Eli's justified. Unless it's a baby, unless it's a baby, <clears throat> then it's not self-defense. Then it's well, not. Sorry, well, just had to state it. No, that's, that's an important point too. Yeah. That's an important point too. But, you know, I just think about the mental health avalanche that happens in someone's life when they're suppressing their sexuality, who they really are. And let's, let's be honest, everyone listening, it's generational you know, trauma. It's, it's generational, generational trauma. trauma. And let's think about it. Listen, we're all human beings. We all like sex. We're alive. Okay. We need it. We want it. It is a part of our human instincts. And when that part of your life is suppressed and covered with a blanket and smothered with a pillow, what do you expect is going to happen? So I'm not sympathizing with Eli, but I do think that when it comes to sentencing and when it comes to mental health advocacy in the courts, especially, there needs to be some awareness of that, I guess is what I'm saying. Because I just don't feel like there is a lot of awareness. But anyway, I I I digress. In January of 2007, 56-year-old Eli was so far behind on rent that he was issued notice to vacate his apartment and began packing his belongings to leave. Now, remember, he was sentenced to 40 years in prison, but he only served 12. I'm sure there was some sort of maybe plea deal or parole situation, as I was just saying. Um, So nonetheless, he was a free man at this point. He began giving away his possessions to his neighbors as gifts, including highly sentimental items, including his favorite books, which Darren, you know, I don't read, so I don't even have any movies, which I don't honestly really watch that much, and leather crafts that he had made in prison. Hmm. Now, this is usually a bad sign, right? People that do things like this sometimes are suicidal. Correct. Correct. Yeah. On January 31st at around 4 p.m., a friend came by to visit Eli, letting himself into the apartment. And inside, he found Eli's body on the sofa with the comforter pulled up to his neck. The friend recalled, quote, it looked like he had dipped his hands in iodine, end oh. quote. 
Police were called to the scene and determined that Eli had likely died by suicide, cutting a vein in his arm. I'm assuming because the blood had dried, so it looked kind of brown on his hands. If he slit yeah. his wrist, then that blood would have dried, and that's why they thought it was iodine, because it comes across like a brown right. uh, liquid when you put it on your skin. Yes, true. They also found blood in the bathroom and hallway of the apartment. Several of Eli's neighbors were in total disbelief that he would have killed himself. After all, Eli had been talking about having just rented a new apartment. They begged investigators to look into the possibility that Eli had been murdered and that the blood found in the apartment came from a struggle with his killer. After examining the evidence, however, police determined that everything pointed to suicide. The medical examiner did not believe his uh, his wound would have caused instant death and that he could have been wandering around the apartment incapacitated for several minutes before laying on the couch and watching television until he died. Mm. These are heartbreaking details. Um, it was not until after his death that Eli's neighbors finally learned the truth about his past. Remember, they don't know. They're none the wiser, really. And why he really spent time in prison, leading some who had initially struggled with the idea of suicide to feel it may have been more likely uh, than they would have originally believed. Now, let me also say before we wrap up this story is that you can think you know why or why not somebody would attempt suicide, but it has not, you know, it is a very it's personal so complicated, struggle. So yes. Complicated. Yeah, sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's really yeah. not. Um, and what might make sense to you won't make sense to the person and the victim and vice versa. So absolutely. Well, Eli's family decided not to bring his body home because they worried about the media attention that it would be, it would bring, and Eli was buried in a pauper's grave in 2007. Now, the reality yes. is, yeah. yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I want to hear what you say. I was going to say, honestly, looking at this case, I mean, I think we can consider Eli to be a, a bad guy, for lack of a better term here, you know, like, if we take okay. everything at face value, killed his wife, killed his son, clearly had no regard <clears throat> for human life. Right. But I do kind of wonder, as someone who is not religious, as someone who doesn't is not a fan of religion in general, um, who's someone who's also gay and a woman, I'm curious to see, like, you know, the John Lennon, Lennon song, Imagine, like, imagine if there's no re religion, like, we kind of, like, all kind of get along, and if Amish or any religion yeah. accepted Eli for a sexuality from jump, I wonder how much of this was really just oh, yeah. feeling totally trapped in his body no excuse for killing anyone but i do kind of wonder how much of this potentially could have been prevented had people been more accepting of other people because i think right. they don't understand the implications and obviously this is what we were talking about it just being generations of trauma uh, just it's, generations of this is terrible yeah generational it's cultural trauma even i would say in some regard yeah. there and to the in terms of sexual oppression you know, the other thing too is like, at least from the details we have here, and thank you, Megan, we should say for a great episode of produ uh, producing, yeah. is that we don't, you know, he doesn't sound like he has motive, really. I think he's just been, lived a very oppressive life and has found himself in horrible situations. Again, I'm not trying to sympathize with him. Like you said, Darren, he's not, it doesn't sound like he's a great guy either, but that doesn't mean he's necessarily innocent of, of a bunch of murders either. No, so. I just think it gives it proper context. I always right. think context is important. Even if the person did something wrong, it's yeah. important to kind of know where they were going through as well. Uh, there is a I agree. Still human beings at the end of the day, but uh, yeah. really sad case. Either way, so many lives had been lost, whether Eli, Danny's, Ida, uh, so many lives had been lost in the process of this. Families had kind of just yeah. 
deteriorated. But uh, let's end this episode, obviously, as we always do with some social listener shout outs. Um, and let's yeah. get into it because I have a feeling. Yeah, again, well. Yeah, go take the first one because I already you, know this is. It's time for you to really sit down and take take a listen here because okay. Croc Crocgate continues. I'm back in the city where I bought my Crocs and I have no apologies. I might, buy, uh-huh. maybe I'll buy another pair just to spite you. But Darren, Crockgate continues. Alyssa in our Facebook group said, quote, I'm a little bit behind on episodes. So I'm listening to June 16th's NMR and feel, excuse me, and feel very seen with Darren wearing Crocs to take out the trash while I'm taking out trash in Walmart Crocs. This is from Alyssa. And then I wanted to just follow up here. Mia followed up and commented, I call my Walmart Crocs Croc Offs. Listen, I want. You know what I thought. By everybody, John, you need to take a seat and listen. You know what I. You know what I think about this is I'm like, our listeners are so fart fart. Wow. Are so I. (laughs) I was trying to say smart and funny, and I I combined. That's a new T-shirt. Our listeners are so fart. You guys are so fart. You guys are really fart. I can't believe of all the words to come out of my mouth. I would never have said that because I'm not wearing Crocs right now. So I, mean, <laughs> That's right. I read books and I read books. That's um, right. You do read books. But anyway, our listeners are say, not farts, actually. Let me just say, our listeners are farts because they are farts and funny. But let me just say, All right. Daniel Danielle backed up your claim, John, saying mm. well, they really are in fashion with socks on. Okay, no. Shoe store. Hold on. <clears throat> I was in a shoe store talking to my son and criticizing the middle schoolers for wearing them. And the lady behind the counter was rocking Crocs with <laughs> socks. Send help. In John, all caps, she says, by the way. Are you wearing Crocs with socks? You didn't no, them? let me just, that is one step too far for me. The whole point of Crocs for me is to not have to put socks and shoes on. Like that's the joy of a Croc. Like you don't need to do all that. That being said, <clears throat> the one time that I will wear socks with my Crocs is simply if I'm going to my friend's house sometimes, my best friends that live nearby me, and I know that I just want to quickly put shoes on and have socks on in their house because you know they don't, they might not want my bare feet running around their house. Of course. So I would wear I would slip on socks, jump in my car, put on socks and Crocs, get in my car, drive over, and it was fine. You know nobody needs to see me I, walking I around like town. Sock, I do like a sock Birkenstock uh, comfort level. Like okay. If I'm going out for a quick, like, if I need to run down for a coffee. That's what I mean. A quick little jaunt is fine, I would say. But They're a jaunty uh, combination, a jaunt. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, guys, um, we might have just come up with a new slogan for a shirt. Our listeners are farts, which I cannot believe came out of my mouth, but it did. But it's also Um, accurate. It's also accurate. Okay. I think that's fair. Okay. Oh my God! No, we're not doing that. Hey, radishes farts. as radishes yeah. are fine. I think farts might be too much. And of course, um, you guys, if you want your own T-shirt with our other slogans, which by the way, we're working on some new ones. We got T-shirts, hoodies, pillows, notebooks, totes, whatever you want. Click in the link in our Fort uh, containers. Whatever you guys link to our <laughs> merch store in the show notes of this episode, and make sure to tag us on social media when you received it, which so many of you are doing, and I love seeing quite frankly it's kind of cool because i worked on the designs of the merch and like seeing it out in the wild i was like what's going to happen one day when i like see somebody wearing a shirt well as we talked about on our nmr like toked on a lot toked on our what's going on with us today i don't know it's the it's the talked about on our nmr 
we saw it a lot of people on our live stream wearing them, which was very That's cool. right. That's was, was really cool. cool. I love that. Yeah. And on honestly, the best way you can support the show directly by signing up to become a Patreon <clears throat> subscriber. It would be great. You get bonus episodes, you get a little hangout with Johnny Boy and I, discount codes for merch, so much more for as little as five dollars a month. You can even get it cheaper if you sign up annually, but of course, no pressure there. There are just some perks. Uh, if anything, yeah. We just appreciate you guys listening. And if you could rate, review, and subscribe, that is always so helpful to us to get listened. So we have to end every episode basically saying that. And of course, we owe well, a big thank you to someone else. We end the episode the, the way... The fart of the farts. <laughs> we end the episode the way uh, every episode should be ended, which is a thanks for Megan. So one, two, three. Thank you, Megan. We love Megan. We love you guys. And we'll be back next time with a better microphone and hopefully not listening listeners are farts. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye, everybody.